Hi, my name's Lou, and today I'm going to be reading the internet for you. Why will why not? And today's forum is a forum known as CustomersSuck.com. Now, CustomersSuck.com is a forum for people who work in the retail industry to go and vent their frustrations with customers or their workplace or workplace policies or things of that nature. Anything work-related that they feel is unfair or boring or terrible or you get the idea. All right, so let's get right into this week's podcast. You people are familiar with this, so let's go. And so the first post we'll read today is in the customersuck.com forum, subforum The Heart of the Site, subforum Sucky Customers, in a thread entitled A Canonical List of SCs, which stands for Sucky Customers, by Mark Healy. And it goes like this. I just thought it might make some posts shorter if there was a list of archetypal SCs. Here's a few that came to mind right now. The Haggler. This guy tries to get a discount on everything. I've had people try to haggle on a $5 paperback. Some of these people just ask reflexively before even looking at the price. For some reason, they all seem to be from New York or third world countries. The Parking Scammer. They want validation for just walking into the store. When told that there has to be some kind of transaction, they come out with the, quote, I'm a regular customer, unquote. And of course, it's the first time you've seen them. The corporate devil woman. She makes a lot of money doing something completely non-productive. Consequently, she thinks she's entitled to all your attention and abject subservience. The broodmare. Thinks that the fact that she has spawned means that she doesn't have to consider anyone other than her kids. The lost boy slash girl. Expects you to find everything for them. Phrases like, they are all sorted by author's last name, mean nothing to them. No handle for this one. A lonely person who insists on hanging in the store and engaging you in conversation about his weird obsession. Mr. Validate My Purchase. Wants you to tell them how smart they are for buying what they just bought. Of course, you can't tell them that Feng Shui is crap and Oswald acted alone. I'm sure the rest of you will have additions to this list. And Darko31 writes, The Stroker. Picture brain for hours on end about some expensive product just to go off and buy on eBay or Newegg. And Recovering Kinkoid writes, The Comparison Shopper. Keep saying things like, Well, Staples has it cheaper. And I Hate Crappy Tire ads. The non-existence denier asks if you have any more of a certain product. When the inventory says zero, asks if you can check the back. When there are none in the back, denies that they don't exist in the store and wither, asks to speak to a manager or asks the cashier, who then calls you saying she has a customer looking for that product. And Chained Barista writes, Mr. Slash Mrs. I'll have my regular. This person is always in a hurry, regardless of the day or time they come in. Spawn Swarm, a group of young, unattended, and generally ill-mannered children who make a great deal of noise, mess, and headaches after purchasing one small drink. Mr. Slash Mrs. Tantrum, throws a big baby-style hissy fit if you're out of their drink. Double the fit if that drink was seasonal. Also applies to those who absolutely positively must have Pastry X. If you're out of Pastry X, be prepared for a wine fest that lasts their entire day. Mr. Slash Mrs. Do you have a key to the bathroom? always asks if we have a key. The answer is always no. We never have a key and never will have a key. If the door handle doesn't open the door, get this. It means someone's in there. What a concept. And the freebie whore. The title says it all. And April adds. The second opinioner. My made up word. The person who doesn't like your answer and walks around the store asking every other employee who either says the same thing or refers them to you. The wander and dropper, the person who wanders around a store, picks up something, then carries it for a while, then decides they don't want it and leaves it wherever. Bonus points if it's perishable. The TMI, 
the person who insists on telling you exactly why they are buying Preparation H and how they got the problem to begin with, the way TMI-er, the person who tells you why they are buying 16 bottles of KY jelly and three packages of rubber gloves, then describes in detail how they are going to use them, the desperate for a date, the greasy guy who comes into stores and attempts to use them as their personal dating service, using the cashiers as their captive audience, so desperate that they will hit on pregnant women, teenage girls, etc. And Arabe adds, the constant complainer. No matter what you do to please them, they will find something wrong, even if they have to put their own hair in their food, which leads to my second one. The food scammer. Tend to be believed at first, but if you come in every two weeks and they're the only customer who finds a hair, it's a little fishy. Even a bad manager will catch on to this. There are regulars for they are regulars for as long as the free food comes. The how are you today? I am a Long Island iced tea. Walk up to the table and say a friendly hello, how are you? They respond with their drink or food order. The ignorers. After several attempts to get the attention of a group, the waiter finally walks away to tend to other tables. They get snotty when you come back to take their order because they had to wait so long. Bonus points if they flag down another waiter. Double bonus points if they ask to speak to a manager. The I can't believe you ate the whole thing. Cleans their plate, and when I clear it and ask how it was, say it was terrible. My quizzical look, you ate it all, tends to be met with, well, I was hungry. Mind you, I've been to the table a few minutes after they get the food, and they never complain then when things could be changed. And one fang writes, Madam Forgetful, manifest in several behaviors, including but not limited to, always brings in items to return, never has a receipt, despite being told every single week she needs one, brings expired coupons every single week, and waits while the checkout operator has to go through every single one to weed them down, asks about product X, then product Y, hmm... And how about product X? The mean bastard. Literally just gets his jollies making physically small women and new staff cry. Probably has some kind of bad life and chooses to take this out on complete strangers. But only those who can't defend themselves. And, and, and man. Keeps making statements to which you want to say and. Like, other store has this cheaper. Or, I want completely ridiculous over-the-top service that you don't even offer. Or, I'm going to your competitor. Or, I know your manager. And Irving Patrick freely writes, The Time Bomb. The person who makes a big feces mess in the bathroom. The Paris Hilton. The person who calls the store, rattles off a list of things she wants, and instructs us to have it all up and bagged at the service desk so she can come in and pay for it later. Basically, she expects us to be her personal shoppers. I just call them Paris Hiltons because Paris seems like the kind of VIP who can have a personal shopper. The comparison shopper part due. The person who calls the store, asks us for a price on a particular item, asks us to put it on hold for her at the service desk, and then never picks it up. Probably because she called another store asking about the same item and bought it at the store that had it for the lowest price. The lonely old man. The old man who comes into the store three to four times a day and tries to make conversation with all the employees because that's basically his entire social life. The Ritalin advertisement. The kid who races around the store riding the display bikes, destroying aisles and end caps, and screams at mother begging for a candy bar. The stinky guy. Pretty much self-explanatory. Mr. and Mrs. I'm too important to wait in line. The idiot who goes to the service desk to check out with a cart heaping full of clothes, dog food, packs of bottled water because he slash she doesn't feel like waiting in the line at the checkouts. And the argument for more homeworks in public schools. These are kids generally middle school aged who hang out at the store and do nothing but cause trouble. Repscallion adds, The digger, always going to the back and the bottom for the freshest gear. The not for me, never shops for themselves but is always talking about how it's for someone else always tells you this seven times a minute and uses it as a magic talisman against buying anything. The bouncer, I don't want this one, boing, I don't want that one, boing, usually seen habiting the soft fruit section. The socialite always manages to find someone they know and have an intense conversation with them in the busiest thoroughfare in the store, never listens to what the other person says, but concentrates solely on talking 15 to the dozen. The snatcher reaches over and tries to pull the receipt out of the till. If it's not torn off, it, it damages it. For those not having dealt with the older sort of tills, 
The squatter gets some items, gets the till started, then wanders off to do their main shop. I had many more. I will add when I think of them. Rapscallion. And the last one I'll read here is from AF Phoenix, who writes, The tweaker. Check her file. It's all Valium, Xanax, etc. She's literally hopping from one foot to the other and hyperventilating when she hands you yet another emergency script for 12 Xanax. Asks if she can go down to Starbucks for a coffee while she waits at close to midnight. The procrastinator. Hands me a script that are standard ones for surgery of some kind. A painkiller, an antibiotic, an NSAID, etc. Dated for three weeks ago, then tells me that they need this as soon as possible, for they are already late for their appointment. Mr. and Mrs. Forgetful. I forgot to call in for my refill. I need it as soon as possible. Oh, how I hate that phrase. When informed that the current wait is an hour long, which it should have been painfully obvious that we are busy by the fact that there are 10 people vulturing around the waiting area, throws a hissy. The Medicaid patients that shouldn't be get all peeved if there's some small copay on something, usually the case for some narcotics or uber expensive meds, yells for a bit, weeps out a freaking razor cell phone to call someone, then grudgingly pulls out an Italian leather wallet out of their Gucci purse and tosses a few bucks at you. These ones piss me off more than anything. The insurance idiots got new insurance and didn't bring the card and got mad when you ask for the new coverage. I don't have to do any of this. They could just buy the stuff at retail and send the claim in the old-fashioned way. Or they don't understand what their coverage does and does not cover. Or complain that their copay has never been this high. Always so gratifying when you look back at the records and get to smugly inform them that either it used to be more expensive or that they've always been paying the same price for a year. So... I'm sure that you can appreciate this if you worked in retail. If you've never worked in retail and you're just a customer, it's good to know that uh, these people hate you. All right, moving on. And the next thing we'll read from customersuck.com is in the Customer Suck subforum, heart of the site, subforum general work chat in a thread started by Tropics Goddess entitled How Not to Get Hired 101. Show up to the interview wearing a sleeveless shirt that rides up and shows your midriff whenever you move while wearing capri pants. Call for a job opening, use profanity in every sentence, and tell the recruiter that salary ain't shit after being informed of the pay rate for the position. Wear flip-flops and jeans to your interview to a business casual call center. Feel free to add any reject candidate stories you have. And Steel Dragon 78 adds, Show up dressed for the club, silver metallic fabric shirt with spaghetti straps, and wide lacing down the side, a matching skirt that has similar lacing on the sides, and 5-inch heels that have straps running up to your knee, and not have the figure to wear all these. Or show up in overall shorts, with skin showing from the bottom of your bra to the buttons on the side of the overalls and no shoes. And Crazed Clerk II writes, Happened recently at the store I work. Send your friend in to pick up an application for you. Seriously, if you can't be arsed to show... I hate that. If you can't be arsed to show it, to at least show your face to get an app, you can be damn sure you won't ever get hired. Others, come in to pick an app while very obviously stoned. Tell a woman in the store you think sex with her would be hot. With the manager, her husband, a mere few feet away. Come in to inquire about working retail, then throw a fit when we laugh at your demand to have all weekends and holidays off. Have gaps in your resume that you absolutely refuse to discuss or explain. And King for a Day writes, just had this one the other day. Look the manager up and down from head to toe and reply, you're the manager? Otherwise, others I've had. One, come in a two-piece bikini. Remember Water Park Resort Town. Two, come in, ask if we do drug testing, then reply, never mind, when we tell you yes. Three, tell me you do not have a criminal record when you in fact have served... <laughs> Three, tell me you do not have a criminal record when you have in fact served time in prison and are currently under an ankle tracking program. I didn't even need to look this up to find out. His parole officer who was helping him look for a job informed me of this. Four, threaten me. Have one of my subordinates offer to quit if you don't get the job. 
this happened, I accepted subordinate's resignation. You didn't get the job. 5. Inform me of how we could embezzle money from the company and offer to let me keep half. Yes, actually, these all happened. And Kia Cat writes, Spend your training shift talking about the guy you had sex with over the weekend, and include the details of how it's the first time you've had sex in years, and how now he's not calling you, and whine about how unfair life is. Bonus points if you're over 40. Extra bonus points if you repeat the story and how you feel about it continuously over the next four-hour shift. That person's already been hired to some degree, so that... Mm, I don't know if that even fits. Then Edible Hat writes, Walk in barefoot in an industry in which workers must wear enclosed shoes at all times and say, You got any fucking work? Shiny Green Apple ads. Hassle the peon behind the layaway counter. Ask said peon to speak to the personnel manager for you. After said peon hangs up from speaking with the PM, demand to know when the PM is going to come out of her office to talk to you. Repeat until peon grudgingly calls the PM again and repeats exactly what you said. It's important to note at this time, PM was not a pleasant, sociable lady. Hell, she's the one who repeatedly called my house and harassed my mother, demanding to know where I was and telling her to stop lying because I know LB is standing right next to you, put her on. Yeah, I got a pink slip from her, that's another story. But I digress. Then despite that you have to look up to see PM in the face, talk down to her in a demeaning tone about your excellent credentials as a cashier as if it's a bachelor's degree in rocket science. There was actually a set of half a dozen noobs sitting in the lobby waiting for orientation to start when this happened, and there were six jaws on the floor by the time this guy left. I turned to them with a little smile afterwards and said, well that's how how not to make a good impression. Smiley face emoticon. And smiley and <laughs> smiley eagle 1021 writes, Only one I can really pass on is one from the movie theater I used to work at. Girl walks in wearing a fancy suit, tells us all about how she had been a manager at the second largest theater in Salt Lake. This is when I lived in Logan. The theater I worked at was a quarter the size of the one she was at, and that she was looking for a similar position, and that she was looking for a similar position there with at least the same amount of pay. I think she was asking like $13 an hour. Okay, the employees made minimum wage. The highest paid manager at that location only made $10. Granted, looking at the cost of living difference, you might have been able to have the same standard of living for $10. There were no management openings. Needless to say, she was told that we would not be able to meet her needs. And Custard Chick writes, Another flip-flops and jeans moment. I was running up to the custard stand to check on my application that I'd put in the previous. Just expecting a, oh yeah, we've got it, we'll call you type thing. I wore a slightly ratty long sleeve t-shirt, old jeans, flip-flops, and socks. Yes, socks with my flip-flops. I'm from Ohio. Give me a break. Anyways, I talk to the owner for a minute and she immediately ushers me in and chats me up about the job and ends up hiring me and scheduling my orientation right there. I was properly ashamed of my attire, of course, and my mother was horrified that I went up there in that outfit, though quite excited that I got the job. Though this place didn't have a real uniform, just a t-shirt and visor slash hat, more often than not, I wore ratty sweats to work. I did love that job. And Senga Kitty writes, When applying for a job to promote D.A.R.E., uh, the anti-drug thing for kids, while waiting for your second round interview, continuously go outside to smoke cigarettes, come in dressed to go dancing, without the figure to do so, and go back and forth to the bathroom to sniff a line of coke. Yes, this happened. Needless to say, she was sent on her way before the day-long second round interview began. Hey, you gotta know your stuff if you're gonna talk, talk shit about it. You know? You can't say don't do coke if you haven't been deep into a hardcore addiction. Sure, you can say it, but why? I mean, why is any kid going to listen to you if you, ha you don't have a personal story about hitting rock bottom? Kids love rock bottom stories. <laughs> and Chazzy writes, Slightly off topic, but I never did understand this particular question on applications. The what kind of job would you like question. Seeing as I want anything that'll pay me money, I put anything. Then it asks me what hours I want. Seeing as I have no job or any other obligations, I put any time. My friend's father got extremely irritated with me. I was just being truthful. According to him, those answers make it sound like I don't care about anything. 
I don't quite understand how I will do anything you want anytime you want translates to I'm lazy. As for what not to do when you're trying to get a job, when you ask for a manager over the phone to check up on an app, don't mishear her when she says, yes, this is name, and think she said, yes, just a second. You will pause there, seeming rather stupid before saying, oh, it's you? Yes, I'm talking about myself. Trying to get my first real job and things aren't going too well. And Gaspode writes, Once when interviewing for bar staff, I had one stupid git put down his hobbies as women. And what qualities he would bring to the workplace, he put, I will be able to chat all the women up so they will flock in to see me. Sounds like a great thing. And finally, Arm writes, I did this one. Total and complete brain-to-mouth filter failure. While looking to get hired as a programmer, I was talking to the potential boss and one of the art guys. He asked me what I do for fun, and I said, oh, I read books and play computer games. Potential boss. Oh, what kind of games? Me. Well, strategy games, usually I play, I used to play WoW, but I realized it was basically an unpaid job I didn't like much anymore. Oh, so you don't like first-person shooters? Nah, I just don't like all the inaccuracy built into them and, and how it's so hard to aim. I can shoot someone in the head at 300 meters over iron sights. I feel like the game should be easier than shooting someone in real life. Potential boss. Mm, me thinking. Potential boss. Me thinking. Did I just say that? I mean, uh... Potential boss. Me. So, changing the topic. I are smooth. The lesson of the day. If you are already a creepy mofo, do not casually speculate during the interview about how easy it is for you to snuff out another human being from just under a quarter of a mile away. Nor ought you to imply in the context of the conversation that this would be an entertaining activity. That is quite a faux pas. And in the next thread, which is in the subforum, heart of the site, subforum, general work chat, Ryan posted a thread entitled, Thanks for Five Years. And it goes like this. Just hit five years with my retail company. I got a pin that said, five and a candy bar. I asked very seriously if I would be getting a raise, since this is my fifth year and I have not gotten a raise in two years. My manager just laughed and laughed. And then she said, oh, your review score was too low. Funny how about 99% of my coworkers' scores were also too low. You know, company, if you just don't want to give us raises, come out and say it to our faces. Don't push down our review points and suddenly say that reviews count in regards to raises. It used to not count. We would get a yearly raise. Can't wait to quit. Just a few more months and then I'm finished with school and I have a job promised to me. And Mad Mike writes, And when you leave, they'll scratch their heads and wonder why no one has company loyalty anymore. Just like my first retail job. They wouldn't give me full-time status, which would include benefits and better pay. they just schedule me 39 hours every week. And they seemed absolutely shocked when I left for another job that was willing to give me full-time with benefits. And Whiskey replies, In this economy, you should be glad you even have a job. Stop complaining about not having health insurance, sick pay, vacation time, or any kind of retirement set up. Jack in the box, working 45 plus hours a week, considered part-time. And Irving Patrick freely writes, When I made 10 years at the Swamp, I was able to choose a free gift from the catalog, so I ended up ordering a watch that I'll probably never wear. And Blas writes, We get to pick a gift out of a catalog every 5 years, and a plaque every 10. Jeebus. Company loyalty, what's that? Loyalty works both ways, they don't get it. And Follower writes, Hee hee, I recently passed my tenure with my major grocer. Same setup, pick a gift out of a catalog online in our case. I snagged some sort of travel blanket thing. It zips closed and had a carry strap. Eh, shrugging icon. I'm well over six feet tall. Normal sized blankets don't cut it. It's currently gathering dust and will most likely end up either in a garage sale or someone's unthoughtful, I know, seasonal gift. But it was the best of some tremendously lousy options. I mean, really, why would I want a pen set with a corporate logo? Oh yeah, can't forget the pin that came with it. That at least has a good frog and a long stem. A good frog. That at least has a good frog 
log and a long stem so I can use it as a tie tack on those occasions that I get called on to help cover management's vacation time. And Wraith's Chrono writes, Well, could be worse. My aunt hit 20 years with the same company, got a certificate in a frame to pick two items from the catalog of crap, and then fired for taking her medical leave due to cancer. And since we worked at the same company at that time, they gave me all her old special projects and thought I should be happy about it. And Iran writes, Loser Company had me around for several years. I was never an employee, mind you, but in my opinion, an independent worker who stays around should be rewarded for loyalty. This is especially true given the fact that I often took on extra work to do at home, worked on weekends, worked on truly grueling projects, etc. When they decided I was just not right for the new, thoroughly corrupt, thoroughly incompetent, rotten to the core, quote-unquote, management, Wanted to guess what I got? The managers came over to shake my hand. They probably wanted to make sure I was leaving. I did get a few things over the years with the company logo on them. I gave them all away. Get that shit out of my space. Oh, and the management can fuck itself raw, bleeding and gangrenous. And JND for Rusty writes, My company gives us cool things for our anniversary dates. We get something each year. First year, a mug with our name etched on it and filled with candy and a card for free food at our store. Second year, candy-filled gift bag and card for free food. Third and fourth year, candy-filled gift bag, free card, free food card, and 25 gift card to Target. Fifth year, candy, food card, and $50 to Target. Fifth through ninth years, candy, food card, and $50 to Target. On my tenth year, I received a Black Hills Gold watch. And every year since, I've received candy and a $50 gift card to Target. One of my coworkers received a $200 Target card on her 20th. I love the Target cards. Heck, $50 in free merchandise? Gotta love it. We also get birthday cards every year and free food cards at the end of the tourist season. We get a thank you note for our hard work throughout the summer and a gift card to one of the local restaurants such as Applebee's, Chili's, Red Lobster, and Olive Garden. Usually valued at $20 to $50. I love my company. And Wage Goth writes, At a previous firm, I received my five-year award. Then two weeks later, the firm closed without notice and I was out of a job. And they fought the Warren's claims. I suppose that's some sort of European unemployment thing. I just got about 10% of the money they owed me a few months ago after seven years of waiting. The worst story I heard was about a legal secretary who worked for the same lawyer for over 30 years. Never married, no kids, totally devoted to job. Lawyer never gave her a gift bonus anything. She dies and the lawyer not only didn't attend the funeral, he didn't even send flowers. That's all hearsay. That's a rumor. There's no proof of that. It's a story. Who knows? Lawyers have it bad enough. And Pimento writes, LOL, my dad lost $287,000 in sick days slash paid holidays and other time owed to him when the mill went bankrupt three years ago. And Cinema Guy writes, I got a certificate for five years at the cinema. It took them six months to get it to me. And Draco664 writes, I once got a plaque and a book of 10 movie tickets in appreciation for my five years of employment. Surprised the shit out of me. I'd only been there 20 odd months at the time. Once I pointed that out, they asked me for the movie tickets back. I said I'd already used them. <laughs> That's kind of funny. And in a new thread, JLG writes in the general work chat subforum in a thread he wrote entitled, Work Owns Me and My Words 24-7. And it goes like this. Last night at work, I received a final written warning about not posting anything about work on social networks. Facebook and Twitter. It turns out a coworker I was friends with on Facebook didn't like it when I complained in general about work. I never put names of people, and she figured out what situation I was talking about and what person, and for some reason decided to go to the manager. It was over a certain situation, but obviously I can't say what here. The manager warned me a few weeks ago, but she was vague, and I thought she was talking about in-store situations, and she wrote me up. Well, last night she wrote me up again and said this is my final warning. I can't discuss anything about people from work on social networks. She even showed me something that we all signed and didn't read all 
all the way about the company having the right to go to places like Facebook and Twitter and look at our private accounts. All of us at work, some people got talked to as well, were not aware of this when we signed something about privacy last year. I feel like work owns me 24-7. I never put anything malicious or made up about coworkers on Facebook, just the usual frustrations. I know who this person is because she deleted me from Facebook a few days ago. I found it odd because she barely posted it all on her own wall or mine. It seems like the manager told her she should delete people from work that bothered her. Now I have to go to work and not talk to anybody unless it's work-related. I can't risk it. I need my job. It amazes me how one person that is offended or takes what you say the wrong way can mess up your life. I feel like I don't have the freedom to write what I want. Now I have to cut most co-workers out of my life. I can't risk anything else. It will be sad, but this is my job and staying away from everyone is the only way it seems I can be 100% sure my name is out of everything. I have a co-worker that calls me every day to complain about work and I have to tell her today that she can't do that anymore. Thank goodness my best friend is not a co-worker because she will be my only outlet from now on. And FMA Fanatic writes, I know you're not going to like what I have to say, but it's the truth. This is the cost of being able to network with people these days. Companies do think they own you 24-7. And if you sign something without reading, well, then the onus will eventually fall on you to make sure you know what you're signing to begin with. I'm sure you might remember an article that popped up last year about a city in Montana that thought it would be okay to ask applications for their social network logins and passwords. They changed their minds about it later. But the fact is, if employers are going to have the balls to ask for it, then it only stands to reason that it's only a matter of time before they start snooping. That being the case, my my employer would find me boring since they don't post much on my Facebook. I haven't looked at my MySpace page in over a year and I don't have a Twitter account. Anything that has to do with work goes here or is vented to DDD. Whatever that is. That's the best you can do other than write it down in a private journal and keep it hidden under your mattress. And Android Kaylee writes, This is one of the reasons I don't put anything work-related on my Facebook, because three-fourths of the people I have on my friends list are either current co-workers or former co-workers. Can't risk getting fired over a vent that has nothing to do with people on the list. Need the job. And Reith's Chrono writes, That is the reason I only have one co-worker on my FB. That's because her and I have known each other for three different jobs. The only time you get added to my FB is when I no longer work with you, but are still friends outside of work with few exceptions. I always get funny looks though when my company merged with a different one this year when I refused to allow anyone there my FB info. And Sexkin writes, If you are in the States, this might lead into impinging upon your First Amendment rights. Freedom of speech. You aren't saying anything about them at work and you are doing so on your own time on a forum that isn't theirs. Doing so on your own time. And Whiskey writes, he signed a contract stating he wouldn't write anything about his place of employment, good or bad, on any social networking sites. He violated the contract. It's completely legal. Walmart has the exact same contract for its employees. Pro tip, read what you sign. And Irving Patrick Freely writes about what Sexkin says as well. That applies to the government only, not private businesses. And freedom of speech does not mean freedom from consequence my speech may bring. I.e., I can't be arrested for saying my boss is a big poopy head, but my boss is perfectly free to fire me for saying he's a big poopy head. And Telecom Goddess writes, My job has social media policies in place now too. I don't say negative stuff about my job or company on FB anyway, but I still think it's bullshit that they can fire you over something on your own personal account. That is my business not theirs. And Dave1982 writes, Let's stick to specific advice for the OP and keep the general discussion about the First Amendment and how it works to fratching, please. And Black Cat writes, I once had a boss that wanted to instill in us the habit of reading everything we signed. He would insert random things into employee paperwork, and if we signed it, he'd get mad and point out what we had just signed. A few examples. By signing this document, I agreed to answer only to the name Esmeralda and will legally change my name to such. By signing this document, I agree that I have not read one word of it and will sign anything put in front of me. I, the undersigned, am the walrus Cuckoo Cachoo. 
By signing this document, I hereby grant company permanent ownership of my soul and boss dominion over my left shoe, which I will now hand over with all due speed. I agree to work unpaid 24-hour shifts in all months ending with the letter Q. Yeah, he was a fun guy to work for. And Hindus adds, always read everything you sign before you sign it. If the person gets fussy that you're not hurrying up and signing it, point out the fact that you will read all binding contracts before signing them. Never agree with any contract without knowing what the contract says. That is just asking for trouble. And this next one may be not true, but it may be true. So let's read it. And it is in a new subform in the Heart of the Site subform in a subform entitled Brain Burps in a thread started by Bunny the Veggie Slayer entitled Do Not Try This at Home. Very graphic, way TMI. And it goes like this. Disclaimer. This was told to me by my sister yesterday. I'm pretty sure she was serious, but with my family, you can never tell. My sister works for the urology department at a major hospital. She was up visiting yesterday afternoon and told me this doozy about one of her more unusual patients. Gentleman is admitted to the casualty department, ER. He had apparently decided his testicles needed lubricating. Not his scrotum, his freaking testicles. Of course, to accomplish this, he needed access to them, so he took a pair of nail clippers and opened up a small hole. A hole just big enough for the nozzle of a can of WD-40. Yes, he injected his scrotal sac with WD-40. Unsurprisingly, this caused him some minor discomfort, hence the trip to the hospital. The attending doctor wasn't sure of the correct procedure in this case, so he called a senior consultant. The consultant's reply, oh yes, I've had this before. That time, the patient used sunflower oil. Unfortunately, it made its way into his bloodstream and helped form an embolism. The recommended treatment was to make two around... <laughs> The recommended treatment was to make around two dozen small incisions all around the sac, then force saline into the hole he made himself. Unfortunately, it was too little too late. He was readmitted three weeks later as gangrene had set into his penis, and most of it had to be removed. On the bright side, on the bright side, he'll never need to buy a watering can. And R2 Kaggle writes, there's a better than 95% chance that this story is true. I forget which site I've seen similar stories on, probably on studentdoctor.net. There is one about an elderly farmer who was determined he no longer needed his testicles, so he removed one with a device used to remove said danglies from bulls. He told the doctors to remove his other one or he's going to do it himself. I think the doctors believed him and just removed it. Some people either through chemical imbalance or something just get a wild hair and do the strangest things to their bodies. And Salted Grump writes, Remember Scrubs, IIRC, which stands for if I, if I recall correctly. On that show, they had a quote-unquote butt box, i.e. stuff they'd pulled out of people's butts in the ER, including things like whole light bulbs, etc. Turns out most ERs in large cities have the same, to scare the newbies. And Amina516 writes, Nice! That's actually new to me, and I've worked in the urology surgery department for about four years, though I have had several chances to pull things out of penises, vaginas, ureters, and also assisted with several gangrenous testes slash scrotums and penis removals. Oh, the things you will see. On a different note, I'm guessing slash hoping that guy was a little off. And little Philly writes, Ah, why would you do that? Who decides their testicles need to be lubed? Do you want to use them for relaxation like those Chinese meditation balls? Kill me now, please. And Binky adds, People who are totally sane will do lots of weird and wonderful things to their genitals. Piercings, some men split their peepees, or inject Botox into their ball sack to enlarge it. That doesn't make any sense. Anyway, somehow it just doesn't shock me that someone would do this people will often experiment and realize a little too late it wasn't the smartest thing to do. I'm pretty sure, this is me talking now, not the post, that you cannot add Botox to your testicles to enlarge them. I think this person is talking about adding uh, silicone or other things. I have seen videos of that, but uh, a report about people who inject that stuff in their dinglings and in their doodads in order to make them bigger. 
but um, injecting Botox into your uh, scrotum would probably just give you a flat bag with two balls in it instead of a wrinkly one. <laughs> it's a total guess. I'm not sure. Anyway, continuing. And Ransylvania65000 writes, After some of the things I've seen on Rotten.com, this doesn't really surprise me. Then there was the nurse who told me about a lady who came into the hospital with a Coke bottle stuck in her ass, and another with a cucumber stuck in her cooch. Albert Fish was into some pretty disgusting stuff too, like shoving a rose stem, thorns and all, into his weenie. And Adara Belden writes, The bottle and vegetable tails are completely and utterly unsurprising. There is a tale, however, of a gentleman who managed to make a cement casting of the inside of his rectum. And LF Cat writes, This was told to me by a friend of mine in the St. John's Ambulance. At an event they were covering, a guy got drunk and fell asleep. His friends thought it would be funny to rub two tubes of deep heat into his crotch. Apparently, he was sent to a hospital with every ice pack they could spare packed around him. And Fallor writes, I think what disturbs me most about the original post is the fact that I didn't wince in sympathetic pain. How jaded am I that I can read about cutting holes in a person's scrotum and pumping it full of saline solution only to later cut off most of his equipment because of gangrene without reacting at all. I've been in retail too long. My misanthropic leanings are rearing their head again. And Surreal20 writes, Okay, so my mom works for the urology department at a medical establishment, not a hospital, and she told me of an ER trip her boss had to make one night. Apparently some stupid teenager and his friends thought it would be funny and amusing to stuff a whole bunch of Q-tips into his penis hole. Now mind you, I'm a girl, but I do know anatomy for both sexes. Seeing as I was in a nursing program when I first went to college, and the urethral opening for both male and female will widen more so than they normally are, so you can get, oh, put a catheter in for, for catheters. But we're not talking about the size of a catheter tube, we're talking about really a fistful of Q-tips. I'd say at least around the size of a half dollar a round. <laughs> that is a lot of Q-tips. Oh, man. And Crazy Legs adds, A friend of mine is a radiographer. They've told me all sorts of interesting tales. The best being the person who inserted a spring onion into their urethra. Unfortunately, when it hit the bladder, it expanded and the PT couldn't remove it. Hence the trip to the ED. And government drone rights. I have a deep heat story too. This one is also a potential TMI. My uncle used to play rugby. One day after the game, they were all in the changing rooms. One of my uncle's teammates got a glob of deep heat on his finger. Not realizing this, my uncle bent down. Up the finger went. I don't even want to think about how much that hurt. Oh my god. And unholy pet rights. Wowie. I was just recapping with some people from high school about some folks we learned with. One girl froze a corn dog, and her mother was a nurse at the ER she was sent to. She didn't go back to school for a week so her inner skin could regrow. One boy decided to put some jelly in the glass jar into the microwave for five minutes. He had third-degree burns on his hingle dingle. <laughs> Another girl who uh, loved her dog was found by her mother, and the next week they completely moved away. Not even on Facebook can she be found. Another girl who had her braces put in and got a Herbst appliance added to her mouth. It's like a weird spring jaw thing, like a metal thing put in your, in your mouth. Her boyfriend lost some deeper peeper skin in seventh grade, and no one ever dated him again. And Skanky Knitter replies, That's nothing. Okay, really not nothing, but I have some friends who are EMTs. I hear the weirdest stories. This story involves an insertion. Once upon a time, someone called 911. Why, you ask? Because he could not remove the mannequin's arm he'd inserted into his rectum. I'll let you think about that for a minute. A mannequin arm. A human-shaped and sized clothes display at department stores. This man had, for all intents and purposes, shoved a rigid, bent human arm up his ass, up to the shoulder. They did an x-ray. He had not only shoved it in through the lower and upper intestines and through the stomach, the hand was stopped somewhere in his esophagus about the level with his heart. I don't believe that for a minute. Who else isn't surprised he later died of massive internal hemorrhage? Now there's, okay, this is not possible because 
And normally I don't comment like this, but he would just have to have had it shot up through him to make it all the way up into his esophagus, you know? I mean, an entire arm. I mean, maybe it would go that far, but I mean, it would just have to just gone shot torn right through you because, I mean, the, the colon is so long and complicated to get it through. You just have to have the arm shot into your body. And, or maybe, I mean, I've already wasted too much time imagining how you would get a whole arm through your body cavity. This doesn't make any sense. This is bullshit. <laughs> I would like, I would like to see the, uh, the autopsy for this person. And I'm going to end that post with that. Cause that's, I might, I might end that podcast with that story. Cause it is so dumb. And that's going to do it for the customers suck.com. Lou Reed's episode. I think we can all relate, can't we? To the people who hate uh, cu- hate customers. I certainly I hate customers. I used to work in retail, sold bicycles. First I worked on bicycles. I had to deal with people who had broken bicycles. And then I and then I went on to sell bicycles. This is fascinating to you, I'm sure. And I did have a sucky customer experience. I'll relate to it quickly. There was a big sale on, so I had a customer come up to me and he wanted to look at like a Trek bike. And I told him how much it was. It was like $900. And he was like, wow, is that what you guys pay for it? And I was like, no, we, you know, that's how much we sell it for. And he was like, wait, so you guys get it for cheaper and then charge more for it? And I said, "Uh, yeah, that's how businesses work. People sell us things and we sell them to you. And he was like, that's fucked up. I don't, I, I, I don't know how you do that, man. And he just walked out. And in hindsight, I'm pretty sure that guy was either super high or uh, just out of his mind on, of, on some variety of substance. Because it doesn't make any sense at all. Oh, he also wanted to know if I would sell it to him for what we pay for it, which again made no sense. Um, and I also had lots of people who came in and when they heard we were selling bikes for $200, would be like, I can get a car for that much money. Very popular response for people who are looking for bicycles. You cheapskates. Anyway, I hope you can all relate to this, the plight of the, the poor retail worker. Although living in New York, retail service industry is. Uh, not great and i also have dealt with my fair share of disgruntled employees i've never seen worse employees than new york city retail workers and i don't blame you for being disgruntled because it is a terrible terrible uh, job to have to deal with all the uh people that come into macy's and all those things um but yeah they just sucks <laughs> anyway so thanks again for listening and thanks to all the people who've been uh, we've had a nice little spike in facebook joiners and comments and all that good stuff really appreciate it and thank you to whoever it was who corrected my misuse of saying i thelosians instead of first thelosians or whatever it was from the uh the magician's cafe one. Oh, and this podcast is going to come i'm going to post it like right before the deadline for voting for the podcast awards um I have no idea. There's no possible way that I would win, but, you know, go and vote for whoever you like if you want to support podcasting. And I wanted to mention that, you know, the podcast is getting a lot of downloads. Like, every episode is uh, getting around 1,500 downloads that are, I can tell, I'm guessing, or, you know, whatever. If, if my stat programs are accurate, which I sometimes doubt they are, getting about, like, 1,500 downloads per episode, some up to 3,000. But and yet I have, uh, this sounds like whining, I'm not whining. And yet I have, uh, you know, 300 Facebook fans for the podcast, which is great. And I also have, uh, but only like 20 reviews or 13, 13 actual reviews on iTunes. And I just need everyone to be out there proselytizing, make your own Lou Reed shirts. Um, enough whining. 
Why? Anyway, I wanted to make this offer because it's almost Christmas times or Kwanzaa times or Hanukkah times or uh, whatever pagan religion you believe in. Magic spaghetti bowl times. Wanted to offer the same thing I offered last year, which was if you are a listener of Lou Reed's and you're listening to this and you want to have uh, me, Lou, of Lou Reed's, leave a message on your answering machine or make it record your answering machine message or record your cell phone outgoing message or whatever, you know, if you want me to record a personalized greeting for you, I'll be happy to do so. And last year I had a very reasonable amount of requests to do so. And so this year I will do the same thing. And this year, if possible, I would like to be able to call your actual answering machine and leave the message on your answering machine if I'm recording your outgoing message. Because last year I was giving people MP3s and I think people were having trouble getting those into their answering machines in a way that didn't sound like playing a tape recorder to a tape recorder, you know, a kind of uh, not great thing that happens. You'd think with technology you'd be able to record your own MP3 and then put it on your answering machine in any way you liked, but we're not there yet. So I was told there'd be flying cars by now. So yeah, if you want to do that, Send me an email at uh, loureads at gmail.com or fill out the contact form on the website and I will uh, get back to you. Um, I will call you and we'll have an awkward conversation. And uh, I will do whatever you like. I can either say something you want me to say or I can say something that I want to say, which will most likely be offensive and gross. So um, uh, I'll post some examples of what I did last year on the, on the website and link to them on the Facebook. And that's about it. So... That is going to be the end of the podcast for this podcast. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Lou read horrible stories of why customers suck and why you should really appreciate your employees who are probably online right now wasting your company dollars with their Googlings and so on. Podcast and complaining about how much they hate working for you. All right. My name's Lou. This has been Lou Reads the Internet for you. We'll see you soon. Bye-bye.